This is the Public News Service Daily Newscast, March 4th, 2022. I'm Gina Tempesta. Aging population, rising costs, and pandemic-related staff shortages. Nursing homes are feeling the pain. A new report from the American Healthcare Association finds that more than a third of nursing home residents nationwide are considered financially at risk. And Medicare assistance doesn't cover today's costs. As our reporter tells us, South Dakota is no exception. The findings issued this week by the American Healthcare Association show that between 32 and 40 percent of nursing home patients in the U.S. live in facilities considered financially at risk. Separate reports show close to half of South Dakota care facilities are dealing with staffing shortages. Mark Dayock of the South Dakota Healthcare Association says it's a dangerous mix in trying to provide quality care for the state's older residents. The pandemic has just exhausted our caregivers and nursing homes. Uh, certainly it's hit other providers in the healthcare sector as well, but not as hard as it's hit nursing homes. While staffing shortages existed before the pandemic, the AHCA report says other factors add to the challenge, including higher operating costs. That's prompting calls for better Medicaid reimbursement rates, Dayok acknowledges South Dakota recently increased its rate by 10 percent, but it still lags behind other states. I'm Mike Moen. Delaware is looking to be added to the list of states that have death with dignity laws. Lawmakers there have introduced a bill to allow patients who are terminally ill to request a prescription to peacefully end their life. State Representative Paul Baumbach is the bill's primary sponsor. Just because we're across a river should not mean that when Delawareans are dying from a terminal illness, that they do not have the same number of choices at the end of their lives as our neighbors to New Jersey. Over in Virginia, legislators are also considering a measure to guarantee medical aid in dying for terminally ill people. So far, the bill hasn't made it out of committee, despite national polling indicating a majority of folks support the measure. More from our Virginia Bureau. Falls Church Democratic Delegate Kay Corey, the bill's lead sponsor, predicts the need for this option will only become more pressing in the future as the country's population skews older. This session was the third time Corey had introduced a proposal to guarantee access to medical aid and dying for people with terminal illnesses. As a nation, we need to realize that we are an aging population. And this issue of how you want to die is going to keep coming up. It's not an easy conversation for anyone. Opponents of the practice believe it's unethical for a doctor to aid someone in ending their life, even if they're in pain, and that folks can be coerced into it in inappropriate circumstances. But new polling commissioned by the group Compassion and Choices finds nearly 70% of respondents support medical aid in dying for terminally ill patients, which is currently permitted in 10 states and Washington, D.C., This is Jonah Chester reporting. And as the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues, the United Nations has approved a measure officially condemning Vladimir Putin. This is PNS. New analysis from the Environmental Defense Fund shows electrifying old buses and freight trucks would eliminate billions of metric tons of climate pollution. This week, Georgia focused on green energy by celebrating Electric Vehicle Day, as the state is about to receive a boost in the arm to fight air pollution from the recently passed bipartisan National Infrastructure Bill. Lily Bulky explains. The infrastructure bill included $5 billion for EV charging infrastructure, and Georgia is set to get $20 million. Jeanette Gare with Environment Georgia says air pollution is a major problem in the Peach State, especially in cities. She points to research showing that in 2020, several municipalities experienced more than two months of elevated air pollution levels. Atlanta and the surrounding area experienced 57 days, and the worst was Augusta with 101 days. It's tragic that pollutions from cars and from trucks and other vehicles actually cut people's lives short and cleaning up tailpipes is a really important step to fixing that problem. 
Recent analysis from the Environmental Defense Fund finds eliminating pollution from all new freight trucks and buses by 2040 and in urban areas by 2035 would prevent roughly 57,000 premature deaths and eliminate more than 4.7 billion metric tons of climate pollution. Michigan is set to receive $110 million for EV charging from the national funding. Groups working for cleaner air there say the pressure is on to encourage wider adoption of electric vehicles. Jay McCurry with Clean Fuels Michigan notes more electric vehicles would not only improve environmental justice in the state, but would benefit the economy. Over 20% of Michiganders are employed in the mobility industry. And so as this industry continues to change, we are really looking forward to having new and innovative companies locating in Michigan and employing Michiganders. McCurry adds electric vehicles also cost less to maintain and operate than those that run on gas or diesel. From the roadways to the internet, Pennsylvania is also poised to receive an influx of money from the bill, $100 million for improving broadband access. More from the Keystone State. Susan Bozier, an Indiana University of Pennsylvania professor, says the decline in manufacturing jobs in the mid-20th century hit rural towns the hardest, including in the Keystone State. Bozier said broadband connectivity is key to bringing economic development back to these communities. On any weeknight, if you would drive into Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, you'd see cars in the parking lot around the McDonald's. It's parents who are sitting there accessing the broadband so that their children could do their homework. 500,000 rural Pennsylvanians lack reliable internet coverage. In October, the state awarded $20.6 million to schools and libraries through the Emergency Connectivity Fund. I'm Emily Scott. This is Gina Tempesta for Public News Service. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.